We had been working on a series entitled The Church Being the Change Agent. Well, I was just going to step away for this particular week, and I wanted to just offer this particular thing today. And it is entitled, It is Finished, The Torn Curtain. It is Finished, The Torn Curtain. It is Finished is very important to us to understand as Christians. Whenever God determined to send Jesus, it was a perfect plan. Anybody ever been part of a perfect plan? No, we thought it was perfect <laughs> when we started it. We found out later on it was a little faulty. But God had a perfect plan when he decided to send Jesus. So there was a plan and a purpose that God had in mind when he sent his son. And John 3.16 tells us what that is. So what we want to do is make sure we understand that when Jesus came to fulfill that plan, he completed it. He fulfilled it. He finished it. And just so we wouldn't guess, he told us that it is finished. Now, listen, Jesus said it. We should understand it, receive it, and then apply it. So if it's finished, then there's some parts to it that begin to be amenities to us as Christians. Because if he finished the plan that God sent him to do, then on the other side of this thing, when he says it is finished, there are some amenities that belong to us. There are some things that come to us that we're to incorporate in our lives. Now, it's important that we incorporate them into our lives. So what I wanted to make sure today, do we understand how complete the finish was and how God used different things materially to represent something spiritually. So when we say it is finished, the torn curtain, we're going to put those two things together that the priest would have been able to physically see this event take place in the temple. In the holies of holies, they were able to see this physical event take place at the same time that people outside of the temple were able to see Jesus physically give up the ghost. Are y'all following me? So these events together coincide to bring something miraculous and powerful to all of us. It is finished. The torn curtain. Y'all ready to have some fun? Here we go. John chapter 19, John chapter 19, we're going to read in the NIV and uh, we're going to begin to read at verse number 28, John, number, John chapter 19, and we're going to read verse 28. Here we go. And it reads as follows. It says later, wow, knowing that all was now completed. And so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus says, I am thirsty. Leave that verse up there. I want to read it one more time. Later, knowing that all was now completed, that all I've been sent to do is now completed. I don't know about you. When I was growing up, going to school, my mama would say, did you finish your homework? I'd always say yes. Even though I knew <laughs> it wasn't finished, <laughs> but she would come along and check and go, Ben, this is not complete. You need to fix this. 
And if she didn't do it, the teacher would tell me that this is not complete. It's not finished. You need to do this. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying right now? Jesus himself says he understood that all things were completed. He understood that the plan that God sent him to do to come to earth was completed. So he created a salvation plan. He he didn't create it. He initiated it. He opened up that salvation plan that all who would accept him would be saved eternally. I think that's magnificent. And Jesus knew that it was completed. Guess who didn't know it was completed? Satan. All of the Pharisees who were against Jesus, they thought they had killed Jesus. They didn't know they had opened up the package that God had sent to be opened. They assisted God in completing the task when they thought they were ending Jesus. They were actually participants in our salvation plan. Somebody say amen. See, listen, I need you to know sometimes people that are your enemies, people that are working against you, don't know that they're part of your salvation plan. They don't know they're part of the plan that God has for you to complete what he has for you to do. They are planning to destroy you, delay you, stop you. But God's plan will be fulfilled and they'll be participants in fulfilling that plan. Somebody say amen. I know that was good news for somebody. So here's let's keep reading. It says. Later, knowing that all was now completed and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus says, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked it in a soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus's lips. Vinegar. Or sour wine is which is referred to in some scriptures. In this particular case has the, 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 the mechanical or medicine kind of values to open up. I, you know this. Have you ever tried to drink vinegar from a bottle? It will open up everything in you, won't it? Your head, your eyes, tears will come out of your eyes. Well, in this particular case, Jesus still had another statement to make. This vinegar was going to make sure because he's weak. He's been bleeding. He's lost a lot of blood. He's in really bad shape. This vinegar is going to restore him enough to make another powerful statement that everybody needs to hear. Are y'all still with me? So they soaked it. They gave it to him. Now, they probably wasn't giving it to him. So it could open him up so he can make the next statement. They were probably giving it to him, you know, because they were kind of showing off. They thought they were in charge. Again, they're part of the salvation plan and don't know it. Okay. It says, so when he had received a drink, Jesus said, what? It is finished. I love the word it in this particular sentence. The proverbial it. Everything that has ever held you back, held you down. Condemnation, guilt, rejection, low self-esteem, lies, brokenness. All of that is part of that proverbial it. Guess what? It is finished. Sin no longer has the power to condemn you. It is finished. 
What a powerful statement. Now, I can't say that everybody who heard it at that time understood it because I can't say that everybody who hears it today won't be able to understand it. We'll do our best to make sure there's understanding that comes with it, but it's important that you get it. It is finished. Now, if it's finished, then we apply it to our lives and we act accordingly. I don't have to deal with this stuff that no longer has the power to control me. I can always go to my Jesus now. My deliverance, my savior. What did he save me from? He saved me from all of those things. He saved me from living a life separated from God. And again, with that comes all these amenities. There is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you. That's dancing verse. No condemnation. Boy, we're good at condemning ourselves, aren't we Christians? But we do something wrong, man. We, we could beat ourselves up really good for a long, long time. But to understand it is finished. Let me read on. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. Think about how powerful those three words were. That they were the last ones that he uttered. For our benefit. It is finished. The plan that God sent me to do. I've completed it. It is finished. Let's go to Matthew. Chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. And we're going to read a couple verses from there. We're going to read it in the Amplified in this particular case. Matthew chapter 27 verses 50 and 51. And it reads as follows. It said, and Jesus cried out again with a loud agonized voice and gave up his spirit voluntarily, sovereignly dismissing and releasing his spirit from his body in submission to the father's plan. Is that good news? Yes, it is. And at once the veil of the holy of holies of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split apart. There's a whole bunch of other stuff connected to this, but we wanted to talk about the curtain today connected to it is finished. So this, this curtain, this veil that separated the holies from the holies of holies was split in two. It wasn't just ripped a bit. It wasn't just tore a bit. It was ripped into perfectly that it will never be reconnected. Is anybody understanding this today? Did it never be reconnected because we will never ever have to be separated from God again because the perfect plan of God was to reconcile us to him through Jesus. Jesus completed that plan. Therefore, there is the curtain is gone and it will never be reunited. Let's read on a little bit. Let's go to Exodus. Exodus. <laughs> chapter 26 we're going to begin to read at verse number 34 i don't know about y'all i'm loving this right now <laughs> exodus chapter 26 verses 30 we're going to begin to read at verse 31 and through 34 in the nlt it says for the inside of the tabernacle make a special curtain of finely woven linen decorate it with blue purple and scarlet thread and with skillfully embroidered cherubim, 
God has given instructions now to build this curtain, to put it up because he knows this curtain is going to represent something. So he wanted well done. He wanted it to be done perfectly. So let's keep reading. It says, hang this curtain on gold hooks attached to four posts of acacia wood. Overlay the posts with gold and set them in four silver bases. It's hard to imagine this. I probably should have had a picture, but this is a beautiful thing with gold and silver and woven and, and scarlet and all of this beautiful stuff. This curtain is gorgeous and how it's set up is gorgeous because it represents something else. It represents how beautiful our Jesus is. It represents the power of him, the glory and the majesty of who he is. It represents the cherubims or angels that are embroidered in there. Jesus was never without an angel. Grandma always used to say he could have called 10,000 angels. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? So he was never without that. Let's read on. It says, hang the inner curtain from clasp and put the ark of the covenant, the Ark of the Covenant at this time was the presence, the physical presence of God on earth. He wasn't free to roam in the earth or free to be operating inside his new temple, but he was in a physical temple inside the Ark of the Covenant. Are y'all still with me this morning? And he says, the Ark of the Covenant in the room behind it. This curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. Then put the Ark's cover the place of atonement on top of the Ark of the Covenant inside the most holy place. So God, the, the, the thing that carried the, the, the image of God, the, the presence of God, was placed inside the holies of holies. Then there was this curtain that separated that room from the outer room. So no one could enter into the holies of holies because... It was too holy. Actually, the true story is that once a year when the priest would enter, they would tie a rope around his neck. I mean, around his waist, (laughs) around his waist and put a bell on it. And then they would let him walk into go through the curtain and walk into the holies of holies. As long as they heard the bell every now and then, they knew he was still alive. That's how holy that holy place was. If the bell didn't sound, they would drag him back out of there because they knew he had died in the presence of God. That's how holy it was inside the most holy place in the world. Is everybody still with me? Okay, let's go to Hebrews because we're going to tie all this stuff together. Hebrews chapter 9, we're going to begin at verse 6, and we're going to read this from the message translation. And um, this should kind of tie these concepts together and give us insight. The holy room where all the priests operated, but even the special priests could only be in there, not everyday people. And then the most holies of holies were only the head priest every year would go into this particular room. It says, after this was set up, the priests went about their duties in the large tent. Only the high priest entered the smaller inside tent. And then only once a year offering a blood sacrifice for under this system, the gifts and sacrifices can't really get to the heart of 
of the matter. Can't assuage the conscience of the people, but are limited to matters of ritual and behavior. So this particular event that the priest was doing really wasn't completely cleaning the consciousness of the people. What it was was kind of giving it a a small atonement, but not a complete one. So they would feel good that that event happened that day and they would be excited, but they already knew once they had the celebration, they had to begin to plan for next year. They had to begin to plan on how to make sure they had an animal to sacrifice and all of those things to come back the very next year to do this all over again. Is this making sense to you? See, if if we try to live the law, you are never actually free to experience grace. Because under the law, you must continue to do everything the law requires. So week after week, month after month, you've got a plan for that stuff. But if you understand the power of grace, you don't have to plan for that. You've now been set free to serve the living God. I need you to understand that today. Grace doesn't mean that you've been set free to do dumb stuff. You've been set free to serve the living God. Somebody say amen. It says, but again, it's essentially a temporary arrangement until a complete overhaul could be made. But when the Messiah arrived, high priest of the superior things of this new covenant, he bypassed the old tent and its trappings in this created world and went straight into heaven's tent, the true holy place, once for all. He also bypassed the sacrifices consisting of goat and calf blood, instead using his own blood as the price to set us free once and for all. So all of the beautiful trappings that were there that had such beauty and power and, and eloquence, elegance, Jesus went to the temple that was not made by man's hands and he entered the most holy place, not with blood that he would have to do it every year, but he entered with his blood. Blood created by God himself through the Holy Spirit who impregnated Mary. This is a different kind of blood. So he went in with his own blood to do what? To free us eternally. So my question today is, You can either think and believe that you are free eternally or you can think and believe that you have to do something, make sacrifices for your freedom on a yearly basis or even on a daily basis. See, if you can believe that you're free, you can enjoy your freedom and then live life abundantly serving God. But if you think (laughs) you've got to pay and be watchful every year, To make your own sacrifices, you're not ever going to live abundantly. I hope you all understand me today because it's important to be free. Why? So we can serve the living God. Let me finish reading this. It says if that animal blood and the other rituals of purification were effective in cleaning up certain matters of our religion and behavior, think how much more the blood of Christ cleans up our whole lives. Inside and out through the spirit. 
Christ offered himself as an unblemished sacrifice, freeing us from all those dead in efforts to make ourselves respectable so that we can do what? Live all out for God. See, this is what moves me in this particular sermon. This is what moves me in terms of why the curtain was torn in two. So you could be free to live all out for God. So you can be free. Because if you're not free, if you got guilt, if your conscience is seared by some event, some circumstance, some stuff, something like that, it's going to hold you back. You're going to be afraid to stand up. You're going to be afraid to be in public. You're going to be afraid to speak out because you think... Somebody will discover you. Somebody will reveal what you have done. You need to know this today. If Jesus died and he did, he paid for how many of your sins? All of them. Not past, not just past, not just present, but forever. Because the thing that separated you from God, the curtain was torn apart. It no longer separated you from God. So you entered God's presence. Something that has sin in it cannot be in God's presence. So then the plan was to remove the sin from you and I. So we could be in his presence. Why? So I can be free to live all out for the glory of God. I'm so glad that curtain got torn. I'm so glad I understand it. I'm so glad that I can live out this thing. See, because if I had to do it myself, (laughs) the the high priest would have to go in there at least four times a year for me, not just once a year. He'd have to go at least four times a year for me. You you understand what I'm saying? It's a beautiful thing to understand how powerful this is. We got one more verse and we're going to close out today. I pray God this has been beneficial to you. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. I love this stuff, man. I do. The NLT, the New Living Translation. It says, this hope. What hope? This hope of believing that the curtain was torn into. That we've been reconciled to God. See, this hope. It's something that works in our minds, in our soul. It gives us this continuous hope, this continuous excitement about God did this, not man, but God did this for me. And now that I understand it, this hope is, is, is so strong that it allows me to live a different kind of life. I don't live in fear. Listen to me. God had proven we've been praying for Afghanistan. We've been praying for hate. We've been praying for these other countries. We've been praying for the Middle East. The whole Middle East (laughs) is one of the fastest growing places for Christianity in the world. God has always been able to reach into suffering in opposition and pull out majesty. He's the only one who can. There's nothing that can stop him. When Jesus died for us, he reconciled us to our creator who said that he loved us so much that he initiated the plan in the first place. So now that the plan is finished, now that it's completed, nothing can change that. So situations may look dire when we first look at them, but God is not finished 
until he pulls his majesty out of that situation. So what's happening in, in Afghanistan? Pastor Joe mentioned this. People, Christians are coming because they see Christians stand in the, in the face of opposition. So people are looking for something. They've been looking for something that, that inspires them to know that there's somebody that loves them so greatly. He gave his life for them so they don't have to give their life in that manner. Is, is anybody understanding this today? I've seen it over and over and over again. It's in the Bible over and over and over. God does not, cannot be defeated because his plan is absolutely perfect. And to make sure we, we understood it, he did it both physically and spiritually and then tied them both together. He had physical events that people would not normally see, like the curtain being torn asunder, rocks crying out, people rising up out of the graves. All of that stuff was happening, these physical events that people never seen before, along with the spiritual event that the curtain was torn asunder, Jesus entered into the holies of holies with his own blood and changed circumstances. Our God said, I'm going to let you see it and I'm going to let you experience it. And you put those two things together in your life and your hope will remain strong. Does that make sense to anybody today? Let me finish reading this thing. It says, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inter, excuse me, <clears throat> inter sanctuary. I've never been clean enough on my own to believe that I could be in the presence of God. But oh, what a glorious plan our Father has given that I can boldly now go into the throne room of God. Oh, knucklehead Ben can boldly go into the throne room of God. I can boldly go into the throne room of God, not because of what I have done, not because of my sacrifices, not because of my rituals, not because of anything that I have done. But by everything that Christ has done for me, his blood spilled, his atonement, that blood placed on the atonement part of the ark, paid for my sins forever. Let me finish reading. It says, <coughs> Jesus has already gone in there for us. That's past tense, present tense, and eternal Future tense, that sentence. Jesus has already gone in there for us. In where? Where the curtain was torn asunder. He entered into the holies of holies for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. He's the high priest that no one has to tie a rope around. He's the high priest that no one has to put a bell on. He's the high priest who didn't enter into the man-made temple because that was only an example of the real temple that he entered into. He entered into the presence of God with his own blood shed for you and I. Did God send him for that purpose? Yes. Did he complete that? Yes. He even said it himself. It is 
finished. The curtain is tore asunder. Well, well, Pastor Brown, what do you want me to do with this? I want you to live it. I want you to apply it to your life. There is nothing that separates you from God. You know, it always makes me kind of laugh when I think about when we do something that we think is wrong, we feel guilty and feel bad. But we don't realize that God neither sleeps nor slumbers. He sees us 24-7, 365. So if God had a reason (coughs) to shut us down, (laughs) he could have shut us down a long time ago. But that's not what his plan was. His plan was to do what? Reconcile us to him for the purpose of us living all out for him. There's a song entitled, My Soul is Anchored. I'm just going to read just a little piece of it. It says, though the storms keep on raging in my life. And sometimes it's hard to tell the night from day. Still, that hope that lies within is reassured. As I keep my eyes upon the distant shores, I know he'll lead me safely to that blessed place he has prepared for me. But if the storms don't cease, and if the wind keeps on blowing in my life, my soul has been anchored in the Lord. My soul has been anchored in the Lord. So no matter what you see, no matter what the storms, no matter how high the waves are, Satan wants you to take your eyes off of Christ and put them on the storm. Put them on the waves. You can't fight waves. You can't fight storms. But the wind and the waves will obey his name. Did he die for you? Did he split the curtain in two for you? Well, then let's take advantage of this. Let's live for his glory. Personally, on my own, if I just looked at my life, there would be no reason for me to stand here because I wouldn't deserve to do so. There would be no reason for me to think about these glorious things because based on my own, there'd be no reason for me to get that. But because of the B-I-B-L-E, because of what God has determined and done for me, I need you all to know something today. My soul is anchored in the Lord. I will not be turned around. I will not give up. When a wave hits you, it will knock you off balance. I've been in the ocean baptizing people. It will knock you over. It will make, matter of fact, I lost a pair of glasses baptizing some people one time. (laughs) That the wave hit me so hard it knocked me over, took the glasses off my face, and the glasses went out. They're probably still out in the ocean somewhere. I've never seen them again. So when the wave comes, it will knock you over. It will get you off balance. When the wind blows hard enough, I don't know if if your umbrella ever got turned inside out, out there in the weather, you know that that wind is something else. It will cause some disturbance in your life. But you've got to remember, they all obey 
his name. And he died for you and I. So my soul is anchored in the Lord. I pray, God, brothers and sisters, that it has been helpful to you today. I pray that you are able to utilize this and apply it into your life. We're excited about what God is doing in us and then through us. I have a wonderful announcement to make that next week, Pastor Shane Hardgraves will be here to deliver a mighty, mighty powerful word. Make sure you tune in to hear this young man. He's a glorious man of God who has a great, great job to do. And we're looking forward to him being able to do that and fulfill the, the call that God has placed on his life. Until I get a chance to see you again, God bless you. Looking forward to serving you and seeing you again soon. God bless.